Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Today, I welcome Liz Richardson, Director of Hartford HealthCare's Digestive Health Institute's Metabolic Liver Disease Program. I was going to say fatty liver, Liz, and I realized that that's the whole reason we're doing this episode today. So it's no longer Director of the Fatty Liver Disease Program, but the Metabolic Liver Disease Program. Um, Liz, thank you for joining me. Why Thank you for change the name now? So it's a good question. You know, to many, the original nomenclature surrounding fatty liver used words that were stigmatizing. Um, things such as describing something as fatty or alcoholic. You know, they're not really putting patient first terms um, into place. So for instance, for alcohol associated liver disease, we don't call it alcoholic you know, liver disease is alcohol use disorder. So getting away from that language um, and using patient first terminology is important. And then in addition, there is a strong association with metabolic dysfunction, which we'll obviously get into. And the original terminology did not include this. And it, it, instead it tells you what it is, isn't rather than what it is. So similar to what we used to call hepatitis C, you know, back in the days when we called it non-A, non-B, referring to something as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, really just didn't send a clear picture about what this disease is. And so with that in mind, a group of uh, multinational organizations came together um, and included clinicians, researchers, um, patient advocacy organizations. And in June of 2023, they announced the the new nomenclature. And this these new terminologies that we're going to be reviewing today strive to accelerate both disease awareness while attempting to minimize stigma that's associated with some of the terms that were previously used and perceived as stigmatizing. I do remember the non-A, non-B days. I, that's, <laughs> that's quite the flashback there. Um, so that's correct. I, I, I agree with you that I think the prior terminology was did have a stigma with it. So let's get these new names out there. We have SLD and MASLD and MASH and MEDALD. What do these acronyms stand for and how do they fit with each other? Sure. So, um, you know, the, the first term that you had mentioned, SLD, which stands for seatotic liver disease, is the overarching term that encompasses various etiologies of steatosis or fat in the liver. And this includes patients with findings of steatosis um, of the liver either by biopsy or imaging. And the reason for this is that in reality, there really are many causes of steatosis or fat in the liver. And the way that the prior NAFLD terminology was structured really didn't separate these things out. And hopefully with this overarching term, SLD or steatotic liver disease, it elevates and recognizes more that there are other potential causes for fat in the liver. And this opens up that, that conversation a bit more. Now, the term MASLD, um, with respect to that, this is the term that we have come to know as NAFLD. So instead of calling it NAFLD, we would now refer to it as metabolic dysfunction-associated steatotic liver disease, or MASLD for short. Now, the intermediate term, MET-ALD, is a term that is used to describe a group of patients that have features of metabolic dysfunction that consume moderate amounts of alcohol that didn't fit with the original criteria for heavy drinking. And these are important patients to... Ben, um, 
to point out because they would benefit both from lifestyle and exercise interventions, but also the need to address alcohol consumption. And, you know, this is a group of patients that really haven't been considered in um, studies independently. And it was felt that this represented an important group that should be considered in a different disease category, but still um, considered nonetheless. Finally, um, another term that you had mentioned before this was the term MASH. And so that term is meant to replace our prior term of NASH, which is going from steatosis to steatohepatitis, which is features of inflammation and with a higher risk of progressing to um, massled with um, fibrotic changes, which is not going to change. So making that assessment, making fibrosis assessments and um, identifying who is at risk for complications of liver disease still stays. Um, and so that's where the term MASH comes from. MASH makes me think so that think of that TV show, but I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to get past that. Before we talk about how MASL differs from NAFL, the traditional term, let's take a step back and Liz, how about you tell our listeners how common Masseled really is. Mm. So Masseled is the most common cause of chronic liver disease, and it's estimated to affect somewhere around 30% of the global population, which is a, you know, a very large number. It's a population disease. And so I, I heard a very good analogy recently where it's almost like atherosclerosis, right? We all have it, but not everyone is necessarily going to have cardiac disease. And so we really need to be thinking about um, Masseled as a population-based disease affecting a large number of people. And it really is a disease that's growing in prevalence as well. And it's a trend that's in lockstep with rising rates of diabetes and obesity that we're seeing. You mentioned earlier that Masseled is the new name for NAFLD. How do the terms differ? I understand there's some criterial differences. Sure. So yes, MASLD is intended to replace the term um, NAFLD, um, which encompasses patients I'd mentioned with hepatic steatosis that have some cardiometabolic risk factors. And, you know, the previous definition of NAFLD excluded individuals that consumed greater than 20 grams of alcohol per day in females or greater than 30 grams of alcohol per day in males. And with the new terminology, there's a more liberal approach to um, concomitant alcohol use because there is this recognition that there's overlap here. And so that's how um, Masseld really kind of deviates, I think, from the original Nafold, um criteria to make the, the diagnosis. What are these cardiometabolic criteria that we talk about when we talk about Masseld? So when you look at the new um, guidelines that are um, available on ASLD, they, they divide it into um, cardiometabolic criteria that are applied to adults and pediatrics. And so focusing on the adult criteria, that's referring to anybody who has a BMI of greater than 25 or a waist circumference of greater than 94 in men or greater than 80 um, centimeters in females. They did make an adjustment to the BMI for a patient of uh, patients of Asian descent, um, which is a BMI of greater than 23. So um, that's the first criteria. The second criteria has to do with um, insulin sensitivity. So um, a fasting serum glucose of greater than 100 or um, after two hours of a, a glucose load greater than 140 or a hemoglobin A1C greater than 5.7 or anyone who's under treatment for diabetes. The third criteria is um, a blood pressure of greater than 
130 over 85 or being on any antihypertensive medications. The fourth criteria is plasma triglycerides greater than 150 or being on a lipid lowering agent. And then finally, anybody who has um, in males an HDL that is less than 40 or less than 50 in females or on lipid lowering medications um, would fit the criteria for cardiometabolic. So basically, if you have findings of steatosis and one of these cardiometabolic criteria, then you would fit the um, diagnosis of MASLD, assuming there wasn't another cause of MASLD identified. And you mentioned this earlier, but, and we got to a little bit, when should we use MASH beyond MAFLD? So MASH is a term that's used to describe um, a change in the progression of having simple steatosis to a more inflammatory condition, steatohepatitis. And so, you know, truthfully, it's really um, something that can only be used at this point in time in someone who has had a biopsy where you're actually seeing inflammatory changes um, on biopsy in the liver. And so right now, there, you know, an, an area of active research um, is identifying biomarkers and non-invasive strategies to perhaps identify not only fatty liver, but also um, steatohepatitis. But um, right now, there is not really a, a lot that is um, available um, commercially yet to make that distinction. It's truly a, a histologic um, diagnosis currently, or t- term given at least. Currently, but I, you know, the, I think the goal in the future is to potentially make that um, um, term apply to things that are are um, in study now, where you wouldn't need a liver biopsy to make that. But right now, it does require a biopsy. So more non-invasive modalities in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We discussed, or you discussed in your introduction, the overlap between MASLD and alcoholic liver disease, and that's where the term. MET-ALD came from. Can you tell our listeners what defines the ALD in MET-ALD? What are the numbers? Oh, yeah. So it's anybody who has cardiometabolic risk factors and steatosis like we talked about. But in this particular category of patients, they're people that have moderate um, intake of alcohol. So they're not necessarily having the same amount of alcohol where a person would be identified as having um, alcohol-associated liver disease. And in the new terminology, um, MET-ALD is um, met when a person, um, if they're a woman, drinks more than 20 grams of alcohol per day or more than 140 grams of alcohol per week. And then in men, it's greater than 30 grams or more of alcohol per day or greater than 210 grams of alcohol per week. And I think, you know, no one ever describes how much they drank in grams. They weren't like, oh, I went to the bar and had like, you know, 30 grams of alcohol last night. Um, And so it's important to be aware of what one standard drink in the United States is. And so usually one standard drink has roughly 14 grams of alcohol. And so just to review briefly, it's usually 12 ounces of a regular beer, five ounces of wine, or one and a half ounces of, of spirits. And so just kind of keeping that framework in mind when you're talking to patients about um, their alcohol use and, and what is considered um, to be high and what um, when you would consider this MET-ALD picture. And so for women, that's you know going to come somewhere around 10 or more drinks per week. Um, just as, as if we're using these standard um, drink um, measurements. You know, as a non-hepatologist, I feel that this MET-AL distinction may be the most informative or useful change with the new nomenclature because I, I can remember many occasions where in my progress on some writing, okay, well, they have 
they have fatty liver disease and I, I'll write, okay, well, they have NAFOLD slash some alcoholic component too. And now we have a nice term and a pretty good definition for that term too. So I think this may, at least my, I'm not sure what your take is, but for my take, this may be the new change and this new actual actionable change from the new cha- yeah. names here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think it was a change that had to happen because, you know, you know, being purist about see, seeing fatty changes on imaging, you know, um, I think number one, having it brings awareness to the fact that alcohol is a, a large contributing factor to steatosis in the liver. It's one of the main causes. And so, you know, every day in hepatology, you know, we are seeing patients that maybe have been told, you know, five, 10 plus years ago that, oh, they had some fat in their liver. But um, and, and that may be true, but the question is, is were they drinking alcohol at the time or, or is this truly a, a metabolic dysfunction associated liver disease? And so I think having this subclassification of patients really prompts all of us to be thinking about alcohol and other causes of steatosis in the liver rather than just kind of saying, oh, there's just some you know fatty liver and, and lose some weight because alcohol really does have a big impact on how this disease um, behaves. And you know, if you look into um, the documents that are available now, they actually subcategorize patients even further into being massled predominant or ALD predominant. And they they do provide a, a spectrum, sort of a framework. So for instance, I had I had used um, the the twenty and the thirty for um, met ALD, and that that subcategorizes a person into massled predominant. But a person could actually qualify as met ALD if they're taking in um, fifty grams as a woman or sixty grams as a, a man um, per day of alcohol, um, and that would be considered met ALD. That's ALD predominant. So they they break it down pretty nicely um, in the documents here, and I think that. Again, it's needed not only while we're talking to our patients and and um, considering other causes of of steatosis in the liver, but it's an important uh, group of patients to include. You know, these patients have historically been excluded in um, a lot of different research um, and clinical trials, and um, they may respond differently to to therapies that will be available into the future. So, I think knowing a person has met ALD versus just you know massive predominant picture is going to be important because in the future it may tell us, oh, a patient may or may not benefit from a certain medication that would be available in the future, for instance. No, that's great. I, again, I think that's going to be for all the non-hepatologists that may be a really big change going forward for us, especially how we define our patients. You mentioned other causes, which leads me to you know wrapping up here. My favorite category as a resident, at least, was cryptogenic uh, liver disease. So Let's talk, what if patients have SLD in this new criteria, new nomenclature, but do not meet any of the cardiometabolic criteria? So yeah, so that individual would fall into a category that is described by the, by this nomenclature as cryptogenic steatotic liver disease. Um, you know, there, there is a, a subclassification of people that have true um, massled, but they don't necessarily have the um, cardiometabolic um, risk factors, um, in particular, um, the elevated BMI or the impaired uh, glucose tolerance. And, and you may hear these patients also described as having, quote, lean NASH. Um, th- that is a, an area of um, fatty liver disease that has its own category. There's an AGA guideline about how to approach these patients. And um, they make up 
roughly 7% or so of patients that have steatotic liver disease, this, this lean NASH. Um, so it's a minority, but it is a, um, a condition that we see nonetheless. And um, it's important that if you're faced with a patient that has um, cryptogenic, that you um, consider some um, other causes that maybe not be associated with metabolic dysfunction as a cause for steatotic liver disease. So for instance, hepatitis C and celiac disease can cause steatotic changes in the liver. And so, you know, making sure that we check a hepatitis C antibody in these patients and checking their, their um, markers for celiac disease is an important step. There are more rare causes of um, steatotic liver disease that's typically seen in younger individuals, such as lysosomal acid lipase deficiency or Wilson's disease, other um, inborn errors of metabolism. But they're important considerations to make, nonetheless, in particular, when you're dealing with the, the cryptogenic um, steatotic liver disease population, because you just don't, you don't want to miss some of these things in particular, like the hepatitis C, for instance. No, those are very good points, Liz. Um, especially when you get to this more esoteric explanation or looking for causes. Liz, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.